0: One of the ways that we might measure our lives, there's many ways to measure it, but one of it might be through memorable experiences that we've had. And I, I also want to say this, that sometimes there are measurable experiences or unforgettable experiences that we wish we could forget, but just ain't going to happen, is it? And, and sometimes we have a whole lot of um, Experiences that we can't remember anything about them. And the older I get, the more of those I have. But there are a few experiences where God's joyous acid is etching in our mind memories that will be there until we go to be with Jesus. These usually happen because they were so filled with joy and energy that at these experiences, uh, as we remember them fondly, they made us feel truly alive. They caused us to be useful and and to feel like we're useful and and filled with purpose in our lives and affirmed. Uh, This isn't, though, true for everybody. In fact, if you've been watching the direct TV ads that feature Rob Lowe and and his uh, counter (laughs) Rob Lowe, The one that I'm loving right now is that there's the Rob Lowe who subscribes to DirecTV and the other Rob Lowe who has cable, which I have, uh, (laughs) but he's the Rob Lowe who peaked in high school. Can we turn off the lights and let's see if we can, this is going to come up. It's only about 30 seconds, but it's... Hi, I'm Rob Lowe, and I have DirecTV, and I'm peaked in high school, Rob Lowe, and I have cable. Direct TV is wireless, so you can put your TVs anywhere without having to look at those ugly wires and boxes in every room. Cable isn't wireless, but you just got to put something in front of them. I'm still in awe of how great my TVs look. And I'm still captain of the team. Don't be like this, me. Get rid of cable and upgrade to Direct TV. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV. It's cute, isn't it? And I'm not getting anything for showing you that. Um... I thought about it afterwards. But but do you see what it's getting at? Is that uh, Rob Lowe, or peaked in high school Rob Lowe, has some memories that he really ought to move on from. And there's been TV shows of uh, and, and serials of people who peaked in high school or peaked in college or peaked at some other time, but they've peaked and they've never moved on. The idea is that we have to trust and obey that God is going to not just give us things of the past, that make us feel truly alive, but God is going to put in our lives new ones. New ones that'll bring progress and greater faith because that's who God is. And we hope in our whole lives maybe to have a handful or two handfuls of experiences that we can look back on and say at this season, God really stepped in. I told God as a 25 year old that I wanted to serve him in missions and at 27 I was there. And uh, by the way, missions is not for everybody. Sydney, Australia is. <laughs> and that's where I got to serve him. God must have known, I can't send you to Burma. I can't send you to, you know, other places. I'm going to send you to the beaches of Sydney, Australia. So it, that is a very memorable experience. In fact, the children of the youth group that we have are now among our friends. And they email us and and, and Facebook, whatever that means, with Barb. So... Uh, that is one of those experiences from the past that we say, wow, it was God was really in it. Well, chances are you've had some of those. By that, I mean maybe your parenting years were, were, the, were the season that you will cherish most. Or maybe it was the job that you wish uh, you could live forever that would never end. Maybe it was a vacation you took or a mission trip. You see, whatever it was or whoever was involved... It did something in you. God used it to do something in you, to do something to you, to do something through you. I'd like to take you because in Scripture we see a handful of those where the people of God seem to bind together, uh, bind themselves to one another and do something that's out of character. Do something that is so unique, uh, you you just got to say God was in this. So the one we're going to be looking at today deals with the Jews wandering in the wilderness led by Moses and Aaron. And it will have some connection to us uh, because it involves a a construction progress. But what makes it special is not the project, but the people and the willing hearts of the people involved in the project. It's a very amazing event. So understand that after leaving Egypt experiencing God's deliverance at the Red Sea and receiving the Ten Commandments, Moses tells his people to build a house of worship. The problem is it has to be a different sort of a house. It has to be one that can move with them until they enter the promised land that God has has made a promise they will have. And, And the next thing about this is there's no commands. It's not a tax. It's not you will do this, but instead... It is an offer made for people to make contributions one way or another. Uh, So it's an invitation. And the invitation is like this. Everyone who wants to help in this project, these are the donations you can make. Let me take you to Exodus chapter 35. And I begin at verse 5. I'll just do one verse, but it it sort of sets the stage. Um, From what you have, this is Moses speaking. Take an offering, no this is the Lord speaking to Moses, from what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring uh, to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, and then verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, there's just a list of the things that the people can bring, that, that they currently own or Possess. And they have choices that they can make. It's like a checklist was put up there. And people could say, okay, I'm going to be able to give that. I don't have any of that. And, and as they could go down the checklist and decide what they wanted to give. It appears that it wasn't if they wanted to give, but it all revolved around what they wanted to give. Boy, is that a difference. So they did not say this is a tax. You're not being uh, assessed a certain amount uh, Instead, the people gave, and I read now from verse 30, uh, from verse 20 and 21 and beyond. Okay, so <clears throat> says uh, then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence after this offer or invitation was made, and everyone who was willing and whose heart was uh, heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting for all of its service and all of its sacred garments. All who were willing, again, this is three or four times it's mentioned, men and women alike came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, uh, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, Ramskins dyed red or hides of sea cows brought them, and those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord and everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. I would have loved to have been there, especially as a pastor. I would have loved to have been there. I would have loved to have sat among those people and watched. Because what comes through again and again is everyone whose heart was willing. There was no assignment made, you're going to do this. And everyone whose heart moved him. In other words, if you want to be in this project, do it. If you don't, don't even have to consider it. I think in a way this passage has one or two principles of what we've been experiencing here at Bergen Park Church. And if you're new to us, I I, I know I'm bringing this up, but uh, this will be part of our history in the future. Uh, This is how, in a way, we have funded our new facility. We have no list of who gives. That means we also have no list of who doesn't give. I don't have a clue. I just know Jim and Barb are giving. You have not received a letter from us with two columns. You know, first column, this is what you promised. Second column, this is what you've given. Last sentence. Fess up. Be accountable. You you haven't received that letter because we've never written it and we've never sent it. You see, we're experiencing something different. What you have pledged is known really only to you by name. And and we haven't even told you when it has to be given by a certain date, but we hope most of it is in that. I have no idea who's giving what, but I do know Jim and Barb. And Barb may be uh, sneaking some stuff in that I'm not aware of. Because, you know, the method we chose to use, and you will see this happen rarely in, in churches today, the methods we chose to use is everyone who is willing. Simple as that. Now, the method that is usually chosen is through capital campaign firms, and they do a great job. They're, 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 they're very precise. They're very effective. Uh, they're also very costly and somewhat pushy. And our finance committee decided to be far more informal, and the result is... As you will see when our brochure comes out, that our mortgage will be around 30% of the total of the project. Now, let me ask, how many of you bought your first house with 70% down? God's first house had 70%, or this house is going to have 70% down. God's first house was all paid for. (laughs) No mortgage at all. Well, that is very special. So, uh, if you understand what it costs to buy a house, you understand what it costs to build a church and you understand what it was going to cost to build this tabernacle. By tabernacle, we mean a tent. Uh, In in current uh, church planting lingo, they make these trailers and they put in all the equipment in the trailer so that it can be brought up to the rental facility that the the new church is meeting in, and then they just unload it and and set it up, and at the end of the service, they reload it, and we call it Church in a Box. Everything you need to do your worship service is in this trailer. You just unload it and put it back. Now, I want to say this, because I've done Church in a Box. The first time you do it, it is just wonderful and you get a team that's ready to do it, and it's just, oh, wow, wasn't that great? And it may have taken you an extra hour or even two hours to unload it and load it back up at the end. Uh, the first time, it's wonderful. The 800th time is no fun if the team hasn't increased or, or or rotated or something like this. I want you to know... That as this process was beginning here, that what it is saying is that people were giving of their possessions, of their wealth. But it goes beyond that because uh, verse 29 says, The Israelite women and the men who were willing... Brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work uh, the Lord uh, the Lord through Moses as He had commanded them to do. What, what is this getting at? Well, in addition to their possessions, they also offered their time and their skills. They made the cloth for the for the tent, and they prepared the leather, the wood, and the bronze, the gold and the silver to make all the furnishings of of the tabernacle. And when they had completed the project, the, the walls were like curtains, just sheets of cloth, and, and they were held up by a, a wooden framework. That's where it talks about acacia wood. The ceilings were cloth, but also covered, covered with leather to protect it from the from the elements. And all the furnishings of the of the tabernacle could be disassembled, put in a box, carried by the people, or put on a cart. And then when they, when they traveled to their next campsite, it would be unboxed and set up again. So it was mobile, a mobile, you might say, a mobile cathedral. And it, it really fit the people of the time as they were wandering through the wilderness. But here's the key. It was financed, and the material was provided by donations, not by taxes, It was all constructed by skilled craftsmen and craftswomen, all donating their time and abilities. Here's what I think the key is. In projects like this, where you have a fond memory, it's an experience you'd love to repeat, the attitude you will see is, it's not what I'm getting, but it's what am I giving. And that seemed to be the attitude here. For such a project... It, it was, what am I, what am I giving to this? And I don't know if you've ever worked with such a team or, or been on a project that just brought out the best of everybody on the team. But it's a wonderful event. And I want you to know it's more than a wonderful event. It, it depicts a changed people, at least as they work through this project. In, in Exodus chapter 36, let me tell you how effective it was. It says this in verses six and seven. So the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already was more than enough to do all the work. What happened is there's these two uh, sort of project managers, both uh, very skilled tradesmen. And uh, they have four-syllable names, so it's hard to repeat. But they, um, they were the ones who were checking everything that was coming in. And after a while, they go to Moses and say, Moses, we can't use all this stuff. Please tell the people to stop giving. Three words you'll never hear in a church: "Please stop giving." (laughs) You'll never hear those. Uh, But this was one of those times in which it was said. It it is you know you look back and you go, "Wow, I would have loved to have just sat among those people. I would have loved to have uh, sort of absorbed like a dry sponge, absorbed the attitude that they have." because they were all seeming to say, it's, it's what am I giving? What am I giving? It was bringing out the best of them because they were fully engaged into the project. And that term keeps coming up, willing hearts. Now, for those of you who've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you might have a very educated question now at this time. And the educated question would be, are the people that were so willing in this passage the same people in the rest of the Pentateuch? Did, did God do a switch? Because as you look at the rest of the Pentateuch, they're a bunch of whiners. I mean, they really are a bunch of whiners. Though it seemed like they were a changed people. Understand, as you go back in history and you realize what it meant for them to leave uh, uh, Egypt, uh, here are some of the events. And then when you also see what happens after they build the tabernacle, that church in the box, there are some other events. So let me just uh, skate through these for you. It will be very quick and the verses probably won't even be on there. But from Exodus 14:11, which is uh, when they had uh, their... Uh, Their fronts, or let's say, their fronts were to the Red Sea, but behind them was the Egyptian army coming right after them. In that event, uh, this is what, and it was only two months earlier from from what we know, from that event, here is a phrase that comes out of them. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt, Moses, that you brought us to the desert to die? Now that's supposed to be funny. It's brilliant sarcasm. Was it? there weren't enough graves in Egypt that we could have died there. Well, then they progress. You know how they got through and they're singing a wonderful song, you know, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. And then it progresses in, in uh, chapter 16. Uh, they have nothing to eat. There's no meat and there's no bread. They've run out after a few weeks. And, and here's what they say. Oh, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Uh, There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out in the desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Thanks a lot, Moses. (laughs) There they're claiming no no bread, no meat, and God provides for them quail and, and the manna. But they were reminiscing about the food they had in Egypt. They seem to have neglected to remember, oh yeah, that's right, we were slaves. That doesn't come up. Then in Exodus 17, they have no water. They go to a campsite where there's no water, and 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 and, and they start to grumble again, and, and 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 so they threaten Moses this time. Not just complain, but they threaten. And Moses goes to God, and this is what he says in Exodus 17:14. What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Just a matter of weeks before, they had built that tabernacle. You might say, well, that, that race of people, the Jews, or you might say the people of the, of, the Jew, you know, of the Jewish faith, maybe it comes with being a Jew. It comes with being a human. It is human nature we are talking about. And we understand that God from time to time provides things that help us go beyond our human nature and do great works for him. Now, just so you know, something happened after they built the tabernacle. They reached that point uh, where they are right at the, you you might say, at at the gates of the promised land, the gates of Canaan. And they're about ready to cross. But before they do, uh, Moses sets aside 12 people, one from each tribe, 12 guys. And they're going to go in as spies, uh, be in the land for 40 days and come back with a report. And like almost every good factual report, they come back after 40 days. And there's some good news and there's some bad news. The good news is the land is fertile. When we plant our crops there, we are going to prosper. It's, it's a no-lose situation. The bad news is the current occupants won't leave. <laughs> They're not going to go. We're going to have to fight them. We're going to have to win the land. And so the people hear about how many there are and how high their walls are in their cities and the fact that uh, 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 people like Goliath live there in large numbers. And, and they say, oh, it can't be done. We can't do it. And here's what comes of that: is the people who uh, help so willingly are the same people who grumble incessantly both before and after. They just can't stop grumbling. Now, that's the truth of Scripture. The truth of my heart is, I guess I'm Jewish. Or I guess I'm human. Because I show the same stuff inside of me. These are just a few instances of the whining and complaining and threatening that they did against Moses. And they are the very same people who built the church in the box with such joy and energy. What's the difference? What's the difference? Let me explain. You know, my relationship with Barb. She's teaching this morning, so don't tell her. I'm speaking about her. Um, you know, Barb and I will be married uh, 40 years this summer, and and uh, she told me just recently she's not going anywhere else, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> but when in, in early in our marriage, you know, we were learning all these different things about each other, and some of them weren't as pretty as the as we thought they were when we were dating and and, and even when we were engaged, and, uh, and 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 there's certain things about me, I I'm not a gushy. Gooey feeling type of person. I usually am very linear and say, because of this, and this, and this, and this. So here's uh, Barb. She gets used to it. But occasionally I step out of character and I do something very kind, very unexpected, very, very romantic, very, you know, all of these things that Barb wished she would have had in her husband. And one time she looked at me and she gave this phrase, and we still laugh about it probably 30 years later. She looked at me and said, after I made one great offer, you know, who are you and what'd you do with my husband? <laughs> and I was so stunned, I was so stunned, I just had to start laughing, and she starts laughing. And, and whenever you know I do something uncharacteristically kind or nice, she does the same thing, and we both laugh. It goes way back. When Moses asked the people to build the church in the box, they responded as they rarely responded ever again. However, you see such responses continue in the Old Testament in the terms of rebuilding Jerusalem. You see it in the New Testament in, in terms of uh, the people of God and when they gather together and what's that like and how they share with one another, how they would continue to say, you know, it's not about what I'm getting but what I'm giving. Uh, but uh, I, I wonder if Moses ever would have looked as they were building the tabernacle and asked, who are you people? And what have you done with those whiners I let out of Egypt? He could have. He's not recorded as doing it. But he could have. I think there was something about the project, something about the request to join in, something about the vision and of the place of worship that, that suited their needs. There was something about it that made them go from being whiners to willing winners. They, they became, we'll see it grow and grow among a people. It, it reaches a tipping point and, and it seems in this instance it takes over so that the tipping point is reached and everybody seems to want to get in on it. And we're talking about what, what most people claim to be two million or more people have the shared attitude. Two million! So my question, and it's rhetorical. I hope you don't have to think about it. If you only have one life to live, would you rather be a whiner or a willing winner? Don't answer that. If you cannot answer that question, however, shame on you. Shame on me. A willing heart thrown into a worthy project is always better than a whining heart. And so let me give you three tips that I find continually in Scripture that will help you develop a willing heart. Not that you don't have it. You've shown it in this whole project. But but let me just give you three. First, it helps to know that God is in it. If you're not convinced that God is in this process of of them building that tabernacle, that church in a box. And if you're not convinced that God has been in this project of of moving to our new facility, you should have been here in 1994 97 or 99 or 2003 or or times in which we reached a size in which we said we need to split into two uh, two worship services. But there were never enough in each of the two to help us continue and build momentum. If God is in it, then the people who are in it understand they're in something bigger than themselves. They give God the honor, and it's out of the ordinary the way that most spend most people spend their time doing. In other words, you find yourself doing things you wouldn't normally do. And one of the reasons we believe God is in our new facility is we have been in the works of this really for decades. It goes back to the 90s. It has been prayed for continually. And at this time, the circumstances that we have faced, each problem, each need, we seem to watch God supply through his people. And let me add one comment here, because one of the things I've become aware of is that every follower of Christ, me included, does not consider following Christ a joy, but a task to do. Uh, and, and Jesus even says, count the cost if you're going to follow me, and, and you should. But I've just known a lot of Christians who who use words like, oh, that was so hard for me to go through, uh, and yet God was good through it. Uh, and, and this seems to be like the story of their faith lives, the, the journey of their faith. Uh, um. God seems to work through their disappointments. He shows up even though they didn 't get what they asked for. Um, their family history, their church experiences, and so, as they talk about their walk with christ they 'll talk about the difficulties, the adversities, uh, the betrayals, maybe the abandonment, like Jesus suffered abandonment, the persecution, and even the martyrdom and and this seems to be your your, your home base, you might say this seems to be what you expect the Christian life to be hard. So if you're invited to a party, you don't believe a party exists. If you're called to express joy, you ask, what's that? I understand. I I do get it. And as I've talked to many of you and I know your stories and the things you've been through, all I can say is this is a season for a party. Come and enjoy it with us. And like building the tabernacle, ain't going to last forever. Our human nature will be the same. But know that God is in it. And if God is in it, you will help share the joy. The second thing is plan to give more than you get. Plan to give more than you get. So and, and, and then you'll understand what Jesus says. It is better to give than to receive. Uh I told you two weeks ago I was going to share this story, and Gary told you I was going to share the story. Now I'm going to share the story. <laughs> I'm I I'm at a business here in town. One I go to, you know, several times a year. I uh I, I, I finish my work with a manager, and the, the manager is a known Christian man. And and uh The manager looks at me and he asks the question about the church that everybody asks about the church. How much did it cost? Uh, You know, I'm going to say this. If anybody asks that question again, I'm going to ask for a dollar before I give the answer. (laughs) And we won't have a 30% mortgage. I hear it almost daily in this community. How much did it cost? Second, how big is it? It's it's the American way, and it's fine. I mean, I, I but uh, I think he saw my eyes sort of go. Oh, not again! Uh, I didn't say a word, but my eyes did. I think. And um, and he's a Christian, um, so I, I told him, and he went, "Wow, you must have some really deep pockets in your church." Now, as soon as he said that, understand, he's a Christian, but he has a secular worldview in that statement. We've talked about worldviews here, right? Okay, so he's a Christian. He knows Christ, loves Christ, is, is following Christ. He's got integrity in his business. He's a wonderful guy. But that statement says, I'm thinking like most humanity. You must have deep pockets. So I, I say, you know, I've heard this so much, I should, have, I should have a good answer by now. And I And I did. <laughs> so I uh, I looked at him, and um, I said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea how many are giving, who is giving, or how much they're giving. So I can't answer that. But I said, would you read Exodus 35 and 36 before I come back? Because you know I'm going to be back in a couple months. Read Exodus 35 and 36, and I want that to be Sort of a, a, an understanding. It's not the same, but it has some similarities with what is happening at Bergen Park Church. And then I said, the reason why I know that passage is similar is that God has provided for Barb and I in ways that our pockets have never been deeper and He's never provided more. And here's the real miracle. I have a willing heart in this project. I have a willing heart. I don't begrudge what I'm giving. And then I said, and I just don't want to miss out. So I said, yeah, and I sort of laughed at him and said, yeah, the church is full of deep pockets and I'm one of them. <laughs> and he says, Jim, you're driving a 93 Subaru. I go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. And it's still running, so why not? So um, <clears throat> he... Uh, he I, I hope he reads Exodus 35 and 36. I don't know if he reads his Bible a lot. But I I just wanted him to to know that I didn't want to miss out on this project. With my possessions, with my time, I offered my skills. Nobody asked for them. Um, So, you know, I... You know what I really wanted to do? There was this long extension cherry picker in this week. And I wanted to be the one in it, you know, with, with the going up and down and and taking it everywhere. I I really had the desire to do that, and yet everybody knew that's the last place you want Jim to be. But it was, you know, so I offered those skills and nobody wanted So when I see him again in March, I'm going to ask if he's read Exodus 35 and 36. I'm just curious because it may test his attitude. The final thing is be around people who think the same, who have the same willing heart. A willing heart is a lot like measles going around in the United States today. It's disease that is contagious, but you get it from the people you spend time with. So how is your heart in this whole project? Understand, friends, we are almost there. We are not talking about months. We're not even talking about weeks. Next week we're going to come together. We're going to talk about days. Days. Just a few days from next Sunday, so here's your help wanted assignment. If you have a willing heart, you've 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 given so generously, and money continues to come in. You you've you've um, you, you've helped in so many ways to make sure that 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 is being done right, and we thank you for that. Now it's time to invite. Your help wanted assignment is invite those you know. And greet them when they come to either the open house or the worship service on March 14th or 15th. Begin to think about who you would personally invite. We will have invitations, we hope, in the next few days. Certainly before March 1st. We will have those available to you. And I plan to hand deliver them to my neighbors and to one Christian businessman that I hope to see very soon in March. And, And just please come and see. Please come and see. That's your help wanted assignment. Consider it for those who are willing. Let's pray. Father, thanks for so many willing hearts. Because I don't know names and amounts, I'm just considering we're all that way. I pray for those who may not be, who either because of backgrounds or objections to the project still are are catching up, or maybe they never will. You love them, we love them. And we will soon be in our new home. I pray that this would be one of those events in our lives that we would look back and we could say in this project, Lord, you are in it. And even more important, God, I pray we would understand One individual life is worth more to you than any building. And that through the people we invite or contact, there might come a building of a relationship that would not say, come see the building, but come and see Jesus. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.